Good morning, and welcome back to A Word Here and There, Inspirational. I'm Carolyn, your host. Sweet, sweet spirit. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Philippines 2, 14. Honey, the toilet paper's gone. The dog threw up. Where's my black socks? Is my white shirt ironed? Do those things sound familiar to you? Are you supposed to have the answer for everything? To be the all-know-all governor in your home? How do you handle that responsibility? Are you able to answer your husband's questions or comments without complaining or arguing? Sometimes you may feel that the weight of the threshold, of the household, sorry, is on your shoulders, and maybe it is. But complaining and arguing won't help the situation. A gentle conversation that conveys how you feel is a better idea. A sweet spirit accomplishes a lot more than the argument of one. Be aware that you can build up your relationship or tear it down by the attitude you choose to have. Our inspirational story today is called Give Your Heart Away. Don't give your heart away, Michelle. I could hear my mother's words almost as if her voice was echoing down the sterile hallway that was silent except for the occasional clang of the metal crib sides being lowered and raised. I held the child in my arms and briefly wondered how I had gotten myself into this situation. Pictures on the evening news had led me to volunteer in the Casi de Copi St. Maria Home for Children, deep in the heart of icy Romania. Even though eight years had passed since the fall of the commune rule in 1989, the scars were still evident in icy. Bullet holes marked the walls of the buildings. Suspicion continued to shroud the faces of the people, accustomed to living in fear, and hurt grew behind the blank stares of the orphanage children. Romania had once been a rich, vibrant country, country known as the breadbasket of the Eastern Europe. The city of Icy was now reduced to dark, dirty streets and dusty patches of hard-packed clay where lawns and greens should have been. Tall concrete apartments and crumbling cement buildings blocked the view of the sun. Abandoned dogs roamed the street to scavenge what scraps they could find, as did the sweet children who had escaped the orphanage system. Broken men and veiled women, sad-eyed, clutching babies, begging for coins at the sides of the road. The sidewalks were congested with people and parked cars, and the streets were crammed with fast-moving vehicles. All that my friend Jennifer and I wanted to do was to help the neglected children who were way-housed in the city, overcrowded and underfunded orphanage. We were not even sure what that help would be, but in the Casa de Copi Saint Maria, a home for infants up to age two, our aid would simply take the form of cuddling and playing. When we first stepped off the dusty front yard into the casa, the sticky June heat turned oppressive as we entered the stifling and muggy orphanage, whose screenless windows were closed to prevent the mosquitoes from entering. The wide and empty hallways were lined on sides with closed doors that hid the rooms that held the children. The air stank of sour milk, musty laundry, and stale urine. The feeling that something was wrong nagged at me, but I pushed the thought away. 
uneasily we climbed the stairs to the second floor, which housed the older babies, and pushed open a heavy door. Through the widening crack, row and row of rusted, chipped, white metal cribs were revealed. The acrid smell of urine and vomit swelled in our nostrils, and it was easy to see that battered, thin crib mattresses were damp and covered with stains. Tiny, dark eyes stared back at us. Not one child smiled. One little girl rocked her head back and forth, back and forth. Another child moved to the end of her crib and watched me intently. I smiled tentatively. Buna, I said softly. Hello. At that one word, the walls crumbled down, and she smiled and held out her arms for me to hold her. I lifted the little girl out of her iron prison, momentarily repulsed by the wet pea stain that ran up her back and then cuddled her close. Babies suddenly clamored at Jen and me, and I put my arm around another child. Krina, the little girl who rocked, stopped her movement as I put my hand on her face, but as soon as I took it away, her little mind shut down again. She returned to her rocking. I motioned for Jen to hold her, and we began to sing and play with the little ones. The babies bounced and babbled and reached to be picked up until the nurses walked in to see what was going on. It was then that I realized what was wrong. When we first walked through the doors of silence, the building housed more than 200 infants and toddlers, yet there was not a sound. I later discovered that the babies were afraid to cry. The overworked staff would scream to them to be quiet. The babies shrank back in silence when the nurses entered. I was sitting beside an empty crib holding a boy named Horphy. If ever a baby looked like a stockbroker, it was the serious round face of Horphy. A nurse carrying a baby by one arm stormed in and dumped the child in the crib beside me. Grabbing the little girl by the ankle, the nurse jerked her closer and ripped off the rough cotton diaper the child was wearing and proceeded to wrap her in a new one. I glimpsed the child's bottom, which was so raw it bled. Not once through this rough process did the little girl ever whimper. The nurse cast me a disdainful look and left. Horhe was returned to his crib with a promise of more cuddling later, and I picked up the little girl. She did not cry, did not smile, did not cuddle up against me. Maylie remained stiff and rigid, her eyes vacant. As I gazed at this child, her blank eyes stared off into the distance. My mother's words floated through my head. Don't give your heart away, Michelle. Oh, she meant well. She knew that I poured my heart out to hurting to hurting things and was often wounded in the process. She knew that it would tear my heart apart if I allowed myself to get attached to these children and then had to leave them behind. She cautioned me to only play with and cuddle them and not to fall in love with them. But wasn't that why I was here? Wasn't I here because no one loved these children? Could I live with myself if I had just played and cuddled with Mayhe, but continued to deprive the children of the love she so desperately craved but had no hope for? I looked down at Mayhe, who continued to stare vacantly off to the side, and in an instant I made my decision. I'm not going to let you, little girl, I whispered fiercely. I'm not going to let you give up on life. I'm not going to let you die if I can help it. And at that moment, I loved her. 
Every day when we arrived at the orphanage, I would go to Mayhew's crib and cuddle her. I would tote her with me as I played with the other children. The first two days, she remained stiff. No one was home in her body. But on the third day, I felt the little muscle relax, and she cooled her body against me. By the end of the week, she was blowing raspberries into my neck and reaching for toys. The ultimate triumph came when I put her down one night and she started to cry. She felt safe enough to cry. I patted her back until she fell asleep and then crept back to our apartment, elated. My little girl was metamorphosing into a rosy-cheeked, fuzzy-haired sweetheart with an engaging, goofy little grin. My heart was wrapped around this little girl's baby finger, and I was on a mission. Mayhew had a twisted club foot, and I had been told that in Romania that would destine her for the Casa de Handicap, a horrific place where she would be warehoused until she died. Having pulled her from the brink once, I could not let her return to it when her condition was so easily correctable. In my limited Romanian, I badgered and pushed prayed and asked and begged until finally one of the doctors in the orphanage agreed to arrange for Mayhi and I to meet with an orthopedic surgeon. At the hospital, my transporter gasped in shock as she realized we were meeting with the top surgeon in the country. A surgeon who was far above the grasp of the abandoned child had agreed to stoop to the bottom of the social gutter. After trying to discourage me from assisting this child and advising me to pick a more acceptable baby to help instead, he cited my determination and agreed to perform the surgery the following week. He also outlined other procedures that Mayhe would need in order to correct hidden orthopedic and cardiac concerns. By then, with a shrinking heart, I had to go home. Another mission worker agreed to watch out for Mayhe and to ensure that she received the surgery to correct her club foot. I promised to raise the necessary funds to pay for the additional surgeries. I gave the little girl a final kiss and laid her back in her crib. Then I turned my back and walked away. It broke my heart. What good had I really done? Would being loved and abandoned again be worse than never having been loved at all? What would she think when I didn't come back? Would she wait for me day after day, then begin to slide back into her vacant stare, willing herself to die? My mother greeted me at the airport gate. The look on her face warm but worried. You gave your heart away, didn't you? She said softly. My lip trembling and tears spilled down my cheeks. She was so precious and so lost, I couldn't just turn away. But now I'm not sure I did the right thing. Mom gave me a hug and held me as I cried. Communications with many are difficult at best, and I received little word of how my little girl was doing. I raised and wired the money for her surgeries, and I hoped it would get to her. I wrote emails inquiring about her, but obtained no response. I sent prayers, lots of prayers to heaven, begging God to watch over my little girl. Finally, three years later, a letter arrived in the mail. Recognizing the postmark from Romania, my hands shook as I ripped open the envelope and read the cursive script. Dear Michelle, I don't know whether you remember me and one of the mission workers who was here when you was in Lacey. I just wanted to tell you that Mia had her surgery and is currently receiving physical therapy. Her legs were in cast for a long time, but she is now in a wheelchair to help her around until she can walk properly. She is so proud that she can move around with her friends. She is such a sweet child. Whenever new volunteers come, 
and we had people touring the orphanage, we always introduced them to Mayhi because she is such an entertainer. She will soon be moving from the orphanage into a private group home that has a family setting. The letter went on, but my eyes turned to a photo that had fallen out of the envelope. It was a picture of a four-year-old girl clapping her hands in obvious joy. Her eyes were bright and clear, her cheeks rosy and her smile contagious. How different she was from the baby I had held three years before, the baby I had given my heart to. This is Carolyn with the word here and there inspirational. Take care of yourself.